0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle. I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at RedTailTalk90. And my co-host is Jade.
1: Hello, I'm Jade. Uh, You can find me on most places on the internet at JadeOxfordRose, and I use they, them pronouns.
0: We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, today we are talking about number 27, The Exposed. Um, it is a Rachel book, uh, and some book-specific content warnings before we dive in um, uh, uh, for a SWAT, ra- SWAT raid. Uh, claustrophobia slash thalassophobia yes those two can go together um negative stereotypes of addicts and homeless folks Um, although it's relatively brief um
1: Uh, for those people that maybe don't know because i had to look it up to be sure thalassophobia being fear of uh, the ocean and deep water yeah so i was Uh, like huh good word looking it up ah yeah no makes sense <laughs> uh. so before we get in is this the first ghost written book yes it shows <laughs> like there's immediately stuff in here that fell off comparatively compared to previous books mm-hmm. the main thing to be fair i think this ghost writer whoever they were really likes writing rachel mm-hmm. i really like rachel in this yeah i think she's super interesting and messy in a way that is engaging and realistic to me as a reader about being a teenager in this situation
2: mm-hmm.
0: the ghostwriter is laura batani Bat-Yani, batiani weiss um based on an outline provided by k.a Applegate. Okay.
1: I really don't think that writer likes Jake. No. Because Jake in this book comes across as an
3: arsehole. Uh-huh.
1: Specifically to Rachel. Mm-hmm. And I, there's definitely one what the fuck, Jake, that I put in our notes mm-hmm. document. But it's like, I've talked before, uh, and in our discussions we've talked about, like, how the relationship between Jake and Rachel is interesting in that he seems to be one of the only people he'll let himself get angry at for various reasons that we've unpacked. Go back and listen to previous episodes, or I'm sure it'll come up again in the future, and maybe even later in this discussion. But the way he talks to her feels out of character to how we've seen, well, he seems dismissive and almost cruel. Mm-hmm. In a way that, and it doesn't come across like it's Rachel's perspective on it, like, mm-hmm. either. Like, her feelings are being hurt. Like, the narrative yeah. makes it come across that way. Mm-hmm. And I
3: did not care for it yeah. at all. Yeah. Flip side, I think this writer also
1: likes Tobias a lot.
2: I definitely
1: is on the Rachel Tobias train. (laughs) For sure. Uh,
0: If you're not on the Rachel Tobias train by this point, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. But like, there's people that are just like on the train because they want to be on where the train is going. And there are some people that are on the train because they like the train. Mm, That's true. You know, Uh, I will give credit to the Ghost Rider here the dialogue in this is very it's snappy. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's very, and I don't want this to come across as a backhanded compliment because it's very easy to read
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and enjoyable to read. It feels very Whedon-esque mm. in places. As somebody that was a teenager during Buffy and Buffy was occurring around the time this sort of
3: Mm-hmm. Well, this books?
1: What ninety nine? Yeah, yeah, we're deep in Buffy times, and like there were, that sort of style of dialogue for teenage characters was mm-hmm. getting very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, when it's teenagers, it doesn't bother me when they talk like that. <laughs> so,
2: because
1: they're not, it it feels in character as um, and it feels. I know something that you highlighted, Danielle, in our notes, is how organic and like an actual conversation people have. Yeah. Like people talking over each other and things like that. It felt like a bunch of children talking mm-hmm. in a really cool, engaging way. And it happens more than once. It isn't a fluke. And mm-hmm. I think the strengths of the dialogue and some of the characterization make those issues even more glaring. Mm-hmm. So And it's a shame because I actually really
3: like the premise of this story. Like a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a good It's a good story to highlight stresses mm-hmm. and um it's a good test of metal, really. Yeah. Um, in in a way that some
0: missions
1: are not. Uh, yeah. And I also like the uh, expansion on the Chi as mm-hmm. well. Who mm-hmm. I very much like. Even if there seems to be some uh, unnecessary dragging of the Pemalites in the process. <laughs> like... I'm sorry, War has traumatized you. You don't have to be shitty towards the nice aliens that wanted to
2: have
1: a good time. <laughs> like you're being very fucking judgy. Yep. <laughs> and they get all these little digs. And like, and um, and there's a couple of comments that I really like because mm-hmm. I feel it is very reflective of how the kids are changing and what yep. the stress of the war is doing to them as people. But it's also like, oh, guy, like. We're going to get to see a pema craft in this book. And I was reading the description going, yo, this sounds fucking tight. I want to <laughs> go here. Mm-hmm. This is incredible. Yeah. I, I just want pema content is what I want. <laughs> uh, I, I'm here just like, yeah, I like these folks. Yes. I vibe. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, that's the point. You're supposed to like them. And that's why it's so much of a tragedy that they're gone. Yes. Like they're clearly painted that way, but and they're like a flip side to the hawk brujer with this like childlike quality to them, which is a bullshit. um mm-hmm. But it sometimes they run into the same sort of slightly condescending way of talking about them that feels very reminiscent. Yeah, even though true. to to be clear, like it it's because obviously the hemolites were such this technologically advanced right. society. And I suppose it comes down to the whole, they pity the Hawk Bajir, Mm-hmm. the, the narrative paint as like this pitiable race that were destroyed, not destroyed, that have been enslaved and made mm-hmm. to do things. And they're, they're just, they don't know any better. They're too stupid to mm-hmm. really do anything about it. And the Pemalites are painted as uh, too trusting and they were destroyed because they couldn't and chose not to fight right and they're painted as being in the wrong as well just like oh well they should have fought yeah and it's like i know these books are about war and that perspective we hear on the pemelites is often either from like uh andalites or yurks like societies revolving around at least at this point that we see them in the in the stories around war or about Mm -hmm. or from these children who are currently embroiled in one yeah and i can understand the frustration and seeing just like they could have done anything why did they have to be like that Mm -hmm. because when you're desperate and fighting against insurmountable odds it's hard not to be resentful for help that you don't have that you might have otherwise yes yes Um, It occurs to me how that is actually kind of a parallel with Rachel's interactions with TT. mm, Just like she's mad because of what he is and what she doesn't have.
3: Yes. Mm -hmm. And here's this thing that represents what could be. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, wouldn't it have been nice if, but no, you have to make a different choice. Yeah. You have to make things harder because you can't, uh, like, in the, in the case of the chi, you can't, like, force them to be, uh, violent. And in the case of, uh, TT, you can't, um, you can't be disloyal to Tobias, um, Words are hard today. Uh you're valid. Yeah. The the other
0: thing I'm thinking about is the parallels to Cassie.
3: Hmm. And if you think about like the decision that Cassie made in 19, where,
0: you know, she she made a decision because she just wanted
3: something to go differently for once. Mm. Um, and the others in that case were
0: all mad at her, at, uh, Aftran, at, um, the, the situation. Um, but in the end, they were like, but we're not going to, we're not, we're not going to make her decision worthless. Mm. Because we disagree with it. Um, yeah. And it reminds me of that when I read about the Pemalites and how they
3: have made this decision, for good or ill, to not fight. Mm. Um And
0: in this case, we actually see how powerful mm. that can be.
2: Um Yeah.
1: Like, if the Pemalites were inclined to be a war-like culture
3: everybody else would be fucked Uh uh-huh like it's it's such a step up in what
1: they are able to do or what they were able to do technologically speaking
3: Mm -hmm. that it would be so easy to just wipe it out Mm -hmm. which
1: Makes the fact that we know that the Pemalites were destroyed by the Howlers, who are the children of Krayak. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm. Interesting. Upsetting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The Fridge Horror continues. Uh Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. These books, y'all. These fucking books.
0: We learned a little bit more about the origin of the Pemalites uh and of course it makes it worse um
1: of course it makes it worse everything we learn makes it worse i i i will be genuinely shocked for the day we find out more and it makes things better i can't see that happening danielle we're on book 27 i feel like i got the memo it will always get worse (laughs) There will be little wins, maybe eventually a big win, but you are gonna <laughs> fucking suffer.
0: Uh, good. I'm glad I'm glad you're under no disillusions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it all. <laughs>
1: Should we get into the actual meat of the book yeah. and start uh,
2: pulling yeah, this Yeah, let's do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so
1: we start at uh, Rachel uh, at a gymnastics class or club or just wherever she does gymnastics, she's mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently uh, standing on oh, a balance beam, trying to get up the nerve to do a forward roll, trying to be normal. Um. And reflecting about how not normal a thing it is to do a somersault along a slippery, narrow wooden tightrope. Um, <laughs> but you know, fair gymnastics. The uh, gymna- gymnasts are a different kind of folk. It's true. All the respect. Um, that's one of the few things I will watch on the Olympics is the gymnastics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I did, out of curiosity, look up how wide a balance beam is, and mm-hmm. um, it is. Four inches wide. Yep, yeah, that sounds Or right. 10 centimeters. Yep. That's fuck all. Cool. That is yeah. like the width a little wider than the palm of my hand.
3: Yep. I think it's Terrifying. narrower than most feet. Yeah. Yep. Horrifying. But do a forward roll. <laughs> Ugh. But it, it's reminds. interesting.
1: Mm-hmm, go
0: on. There's a video of, um, I don't remember what the channel was, but they have a bunch of street runners and a bunch of gymnasts, and they, like, learn each other's crafts. Um, Mm. and and the gymnasts are much better at becoming street runners than the street runners are at becoming
3: gymnasts. I'll bet. (laughs) Yeah, it's good stuff. But you Mm -hmm. were saying something.
1: Um. Yeah, and I feel like this opening, like just like make it, it is. It, it does feel like it's a commentary on like Rachel balancing the aspects of herself, and it's not that she's scared to do the role.
2: Mm-hmm. It's just like
1: she's getting up the nerve to do it, mm-hmm. but then we get that qualifier of trying to be normal, mm-hmm. and it's just um, as and we get this just whole like slew of thought process from Rachel and she's just stood on this balance beam preparing to do this and it just it feels like it's a microcosm example of what being Rachel is like at this point in her life mm-hmm. just like
3: balancing on the edge of doing something yeah i found the video i'm gonna post it here for later thank you because i was like mm, I want
1: to watch it. um but yeah and we get we get our info dump about like the state of affairs the yurks the situation with them having the morphing ability mostly focused on the yurks mm-hmm. which is fairly standard uh mm-hmm. for rachel books um and we get the reflection from her that uh
3: that she's starting to feel scared of how much she likes going into battle to fighting. Yep. Um,
1: um and we get this horrifyingly upsetting bit of in- personal insight. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm afraid that if I keep giving in to the urge, sooner or later I'll forget
3: how to do anything else. Forget how to do the things I used to like to do. because
1: all of the things that she loved about gymnastics she can get the same kind, of, but she can get like a better
3: version of those feelings when she's in morph right uh yeah comparing uh the vaulting to flying um and uh she she never
0: liked the balance beam but she loved the parallel bars and vaulting um and being a human is kind of pathetic after uh being a bald eagle or a fly or a grizzly bear or a cat um and then she says i can't help myself it's like i'm addicted or something addicted to danger addicted to defeating the yerk invaders
2: uh, and
0: then I'm she just- go ahead
1: mm-hmm. i just i thought i would check it out and i find it interesting cuz parallel bars are generally uh A male event in gymnastics.
2: Mm.
1: uh, The girls do the, uh, what is it, the asymmetric bars, which are Mm -hmm. fucking terrifying and dope as hell to watch. But because I was like, parallel bars is like the rings as well. Like they tend to be Mm -hmm. uh, a male focused specialty, Mm -hmm. which tracks with Rachel because she is very tall, as we hear a lot and talking about that power. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that she would like those kinds of um equipment like and again vaulting like the kind of vaults as well mm-hmm. so it's just i want that to be a deliberate choice and not a fuck up <laughs> <laughs> and the other kind of bars be meant instead you know yeah uh
3: it uh death of the author mm-hmm. right
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um.
1: But she gets sort of like knocked out of her, uh, reverie, um, by somebody calling out to her. Um, and she starts having to sort of like try to correct her balance, shaken out of her thoughts. And this guy called, uh, T is, uh, smiling at her and crossing across the mats. So we get the, deal, not an ugly guy, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't smile back. Um, and she realizes that she's going to fall. Mm-hmm. And this TT guy is just like jogs up, just like, don't worry, I'll catch you. And she's like, I don't need this. And she tries to pivot into making a jump off. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, uh, pitches sideways, uh, doesn't get, deal with the embarrassment of being caught though. She sort of like knocks his arms and hits the mat instead.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He goes to offer a hand up. She ignores it. Gets up herself, just like my face was hot. I did. I don't like to look stupid, and now I did, and it was all his fault. Mm -hmm. I looked at him annoyed, ready to tell him off, and stopped. He was definitely not uncute. (laughs) He was taller than me, blue eyes like me, dimples not like me. And credit to TT because in this instance this is a pretty smooth line for a 13 year old to come out with in this situation. (laughs) I'm just like, so I guess this means you're falling for me, huh? Want to go to a movie or something? And I'm like, okay, that's cute. Yeah. That is cute. Mm -hmm. And if Rachel hadn't been so in her own head, just somebody calling out to her might not have made her
3: wobble like that. So. Yep. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because with, without paying attention, you
0: immediately don't like TT because Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. not Tobias. Um, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but Uh if you, (laughs) yeah, but if you actually read what he's like doing and saying, like, he seems like a pretty normal guy like yeah doing the doing the right thing and not being weird and just being like hey i w- would like to go out with you um
1: yeah we've seen boys be gross in the animals books it's normally marco mm-hmm. because the books seem to really enjoy portraying him in that way because late 90s i guess mm-hmm. um but and i feel like to, to add on to that it's because we're getting tt from rachel's perspective mm-hmm. And more than one occasion in this book, she goes to say something to him and says something completely different
2: mm-hmm. or just
1: blurts out something. And you can't help but feel the resentment of like, TT is the path not taken. Yes. It's, it's the normal life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It could be an escape, a refuge from the animal stuff. It could be a thing that she has that is just hers. But in her mind, it is not hers to have.
2: And
3: mm-hmm.
1: she's angry
3: at herself for being tempted by it. Yeah. Or at least that's how it feels reading it. Yeah. I think that's what we're meant to take from it. Yeah. Um, it's like, look,
1: I know my life could be a little bit like that, but I, it, it's a lot harder to feel like you've made the right choices when a better option comes along. Or I say better. A more outwardly, more optimal, I guess, or easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the same way, like getting the offer to go live with her dad. Yes. Here's a nice, normal boy who's not uncute, who's taller than her,
3: you know.
2: hmm. Yeah.
3: Who's, <laughs> who's human? Who's human? Yeah. Uh, it's. We
0: also, I, something that is standing out to me now is going out with TT would be normal, maybe even fun. No tension, no fear. Um,
3: and, you know, that calls back to her being afraid of her, um, as she calls it, addiction to danger. <clears throat> mm-hmm. As, you know, she, she is afraid of becoming what she is becoming, but she is, uh, I don't know if she's afraid of, but she is, and, and, and she is angry with considering an option where she doesn't become that person. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Absolutely.
1: Or at least, uh. The- I get it, but we have that (laughs) this problem now where you and I are just on a very similar wavelength. (laughs) Just like, oh, you people don't get it. Ah, get on our, get on our (laughs) wavelength. There's room for more. Um, but, and I I like that we get these details about like not having to do like dates on a time limit
2: because of the Mm -hmm. two hour
1: deadline. Um, Mm -hmm. and like talking about what a normal date would look like and thinking about what the dates with tobias look like which is flying together him like hanging out with her while she does homework and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like there's always going to be tension or fear with those situations and it's like so she's snappy as hell yeah tt yeah uh she's like say what and he's just like he's described as cocky and relaxed mm-hmm um i wonder if he's actually being cocky or if that's rachel's read on it Mm -hmm. Uh, not to say it's invalid but like you know he's just like i wanted to i wondered if you wanted to go to the movies or something um and she just like doesn't reply at first rattling through these thoughts in her head and she just goes and when he's like well she's like in your dreams and she just like wheels off and like heads out to the locker room and he doesn't try to stop her either Mm -hmm. and she just like slams open the door and he's just alone with her thoughts in the empty
3: locker room Yep. we get uh, the interesting uh, inner
0: monologue Mm -hmm. about whether or not Tobias is her boyfriend it's Um, very cute it is uh I didn't like the way I was feeling. I didn't like that I had reacted. I didn't like the moment of hesitation, the moment when I considered the fact that I was only the only girl in school whose, I guess, boyfriend was, how should I put it, a bird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I felt anger bubbling up inside me, mad at TT, mad at Tobias, mad at myself. Why had I hesitated? Gee, I don't know, Rachel, I muttered under my breath. Maybe because TT doesn't have a beak. Maybe that's it. Um, and she's also angry at herself for not saying yes to TT. Um, but she points out that she may be a lot of things, but she's not disloyal and doesn't betray people. And whatever she has with Tobias is
3: something, um, Mm -hmm. that they both are aware of. Um, and she doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: we we get this detail of the images in her mind not going away, especially of eyes that would look into mine and not glare with the furious intensity of a predator. It's like, I was going, if you can even use that word, with a guy who spent most of his time riding the thermals, talking in thought speak, and eating small mammals. A guy with feathers, talons, a fierce curved beak, and sometimes, for almost two hours at a shot,
3: unruly dirt blonde hair and hurt, tender, hopeful eyes. And it's just, uh... mm-hmm. and she describes him as her friend, her fellow warrior. And that they fly together and fight together and that they're not normal.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like this detail. If she's finished, she lets out this laugh, gets spotted doing so and gets a weird look um, mm-hmm. and heads out. And her first instinct is to look up at the sky.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, to see if Tobias is there. Uh, he isn't and she's disappointed.
3: Yeah. I, I get I
0: definitely get the vibe here that he usually is. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh which is fucking adorable. Mm-hmm. Um Well, we know uh, he knows her schedule. Mm-hmm. Um
0: and <laughs> she, she thinks, oh well, he was probably off
3: eating a baby rabbit or something. Normal red tailed hawk behavior. Maybe there was more than one kind of normal. Uh, and she thinks, uh, she wants to find
0: a way to enjoy something besides fighting. Um, gymnastics clearly hadn't done it for her, so she goes to the mall. Um, she, <laughs> uh, Gets like a really good deal at the limited, or no, nothing good at the limited, uh, but she's, she's doing her thing, like checking the sales racks, whatever. She runs into Cassie, um, and is really surprised to see Cassie because, like, Cassie in the mall without me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Impossible. <laughs> um, but Cassie's there getting a present for her mom. Uh, and then they, Notice that Eric is nearby in front of the gap. Uh, and the problem is that Eric, uh, his hologram is flickering, fading, um, revealing for an instant the real Eric the Chi, the android. Um, we saw this happen before when he was faced with the howlers for the first time, mm. um, where he was just so out of it at confronting the the killers of his creators uh that he he just like couldn't maintain his hologram uh but we learn quickly that
1: this is not the same thing that is happening here so eric's there and his hologram is a little bit uh is flickering and we get uh the info dump about uh who the chi are Mm -hmm. and specifically who eric is
3: to them um, and the two girls go up to him and he is
1: freaked out mm-hmm. because he knows something's going wrong and he can't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel has the, uh, gee, this is fucking genius. I love Rachel so much mm-hmm. <laughs> of taking him into a place where an android wouldn't seem out of place if his hologram totally croaks. Uh, Spencer's gifts. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, hey, I've been in there. Well, I haven't been in one, <laughs> I have seen a Spencer's gift. Now, I have been in an American mall, I've seen a Spencer's gift with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. This was a novelty for me. Um, <laughs> it is a novelty shop. <laughs> that's, aha. Um, I went into a hot topic too, but I actually bought stuff in there. which is very on brand for who I am
2: as a person. Yeah. Spencer's Um, is
0: like the adult hot topic is, mm -hmm. is the, the vibe that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: people see it as. Um, The the fact that they're often very close to each other in the malls mm -hmm. is just, it's very good. Um, But anyway, they uh, get Eric into Spencer's gift and like put him like into the corner as far away as possible from the cash register, uh, by mm-hmm. the strobe lights. So if his hologram continues flickering, people will just be able to think, oh, well, that's just like a projection or something. Uh, Cassie's like, I wouldn't have thought of this. And Rachel quips about, uh, that she's gonna, uh, more knowledge is gonna be her major in college. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Eric's limbs have now locked up as well. Um, and he, A struggle for him to move. Mm -hmm. Um, Cassie's we have this great interaction of, um, his limbs are slowly locking up, I should say. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, Eric, you have to hurry. She's like, Oh, really? You know, the seriousness of the situation (laughs) totally escaped me. You can't walk, but you can be sarcastic. (laughs) She's like, I continue to love Eric. Yes. Um, but they are able uh to get him uh sort of like as far into the store as they can into the corner and do so just in time because his hologram just goes out Mm -hmm. uh, and he's just an android uh stood in the corner now um and the kid like strolls up it's just like oh wow cool i wonder how much it is and cassie's like uh and rachel goes and <laughs> swipes a price tag off something else mm-hmm. and just like writes a new price on it um and just goes and uh, and uh puts a way higher price than this uh kid in a Hanson shirt jesus fucking christ did any teenage boy like Hanson? i'm sorry <laughs> um. But just like, oh, nah, it's a robot that doesn't even do anything. Blech. Uh and what's the key? Eric's like, actually my approximate value in current US dollars would be well into the billions. <laughs> um I'm okay, just like, okay, Cassie, guard Eric. I'm gonna go uh get I'll be right back. Eric, don't worry. Uh we're gonna get you out of here. And Cassie's like, what do you mean, guard him? Um, just like, Cassie's like, are you going to call Jake? Right. And Rachel's like riding the high of like so far getting away with it, which I think mm-hmm. I should. I was thinking of calling for a pizza, but I guess I could call Jake instead. And Cassie just gives her a look. Um, just like, okay, thanks. Very funny. Here's a comic question for you. What do I do if some controller sees Eric and realizes what he is? Um, which sort of like sobers Rachel up mm-hmm. and is just like, First and foremost, protect
3: yourself. If uh yeah, push comes to shove, give up Eric. hmm Uh so she heads to a payphone uh and calls Jake's house. Tom answers.
0: Uh, but she asks for Jake, he hands the phone over. Um, but she is more aware uh than ever that she has to be careful about what she's saying. Um and so she comes up with this story of the, the boys were supposed to meet Cassie and Rachel at the mall, um, half an hour ago, uh, and that they've been waiting in front of Spencer's for the, for them. Uh, and Jake, without like a moment's hesitation, uh, slips right into the lie. And don't think too hard about how easy it is for these kids to come up with lies now. Uh, yep. Um, nope.
1: Not thinking about it.
0: <laughs>
1: Except for Cassie.
0: Cassie remains a very terrible liar, <laughs> which we'll see in a moment. Um mm-hmm. uh but yeah, she she basically uh gives him the details on the down low and he's like, "Oh yeah, we'll be there in a moment uh to help you with your extremely heavy packages."
2: <laughs> um uh
0: and so he's going to be on his way. Uh and then she goes to the gap and buys a bunch of clothes. Um, and goes back to Cassie. Cassie is standing in front of group and standing in front of a group of kids and adults, including the Spencer's clerk. <laughs> uh, sweating and breathing hard, lying about how Eric is the new kitchen droid from K KTEL. Uh <laughs> it slices it, dices, it can make Julie Ann's fries. You mean Julianne fries? Anyone's fries.
1: (laughs) I laughed. I had to
0: stop reading. (laughs) Um, and, and some kids like, well, why isn't it doing all of that stuff? Uh, and, and Cassie's like faltering in her, her story Mm -hmm. that honestly is really good for coming up on the fly. Um, yeah. And, and then Rachel comes up and is like, oh, it's just a mock-up, right? And Cassie is relieved that Rachel is here. Yes, it's just a mock-up. It won't actually do... This one, this thing doesn't actually do anything. The actual one won't be available for, uh, six months. Supplies, Rachel. Um. And, uh, everybody, the crowd kind of disperses, like, oh, well, you know, that, well, if I can't buy it now, um, and Rachel reveals that she called Jake and bought underwear for Eric. Uh, Cassie calls her out on having bought underwear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Designer <laughs> underwear. Designer that. underwear? <laughs> he's an android. He doesn't need designer underwear. Sorry, they don't have a Walmart at the mall. I hissed. Uh, Rachel, he's an android. He doesn't even need pants except as a disguise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and rachel just like ah, yeah okay uh maybe i'll give him to jake and eric's just like can we not talk about this um meanwhile uh the clerk now shows up and he's just like yeah i just called my manager he says there's no such thing as a kitchen droid and at that point uh a guy in a gorilla suit uh shows up huh. um Marco and Jake, Marco and his grill up with a handmade sandwich board sign, uh, advertising King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> well done on, uh, preempting, uh, the, uh, the version of, uh, the King Kong versus Godzilla that came out, uh, fairly recently, guys. Good work. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> this whole yeah, thing just is like, just like, w- this is
1: some incredible like bluff checks like this is is. just like the fact that they pull this off is just
0: ah (laughs) rachel's like look out the lava lamp's about to fall on your head and the 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 dude's like what (laughs) and then she repeats it but looking like pointedly at marco and marco's like oh yeah and he just kind of taps the dude on the head to knock him out <laughs> um and uh rachel quickly explains the situation to jake um between marco and cassie they get him dressed uh there's another remark about the underwear
1: <laughs> <laughs> i just like i appreciate like eric just like <clears throat> we've gone through this okay um they jake. need to get a mask on eric's face um and there's a clinton uh, a gingrich and a teletubby uh, i love that uh jake doesn't know the specific teletubbies but cassie does mm-hmm. um it's just incredible and uh meanwhile they're talking about teletubbies and eric's just like no offense but how on earth have you people managed to avoid getting caught for this long <laughs> um, Meanwhile, Rachel is really pleased with herself that she managed to pick everything that fits. Like, Mm -hmm. I am the goddess of shopping. (laughs)
2: Um, It's very good. Yep. Uh, And it
1: works. They're able to get Eric out of the mall. Yep.
0: A minute later, a gorilla wearing a sandwich board sign for a misspelled movie carried a very trendily dressed Bill Clinton over his shoulder out of the mall.
1: (laughs) Nobody Uh, notices. Or at
0: least nobody says anything or tries to stop them.
1: Yeah, to be fair, we later find out that this has made like national, like local news. Mm -hmm. So.
3: But there's no footage. Um, they, uh, take a bus to Eric's neighborhood, um, and, uh, take Eric into his house, um, and they comment on the fact that, like, that was absurdly easy.
0: Uh, <laughs> what are the odds of a gorilla carrying Bill Clinton going unnoticed? We walk out of a mall and no rent a cop tries to stop us. We take a bus and the driver barely notices, and we're the only passengers. Um, Rachel is justifiably, uh, mad and paranoid that. Something bigger is going on here. Um, and Jake and Marco also mentioned that, uh, when they got to the mall, there were electrician tr- trucks all over the place. The CCTV went
3: down. Um, so, like, there's no video record of anything that happened. When a gap,
0: when, uh, and no controllers, Noticed anything? Even though that the dressing room in the gap is a Yurk pool entrance, like, uh, it's very weird. Um, but they don't have an answer for it, and as far as they can tell, it's not the Yurks because why would the Yurks have exposed Eric and then, like, done nothing?
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, so they get Eric into the Chi. uh, Mr. King's house.
3: Um, Mr. King is also frozen up. Um, uh, Tobias arrives, um,
0: because he just spotted them getting off the bus <laughs> and is <laughs> like, that seems like some bullshit happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he does mention that nobody has been following them. Uh, and they get inside. Mr. King has also been affected by whatever this is. Uh, he tells them that all of the chi are affected like this. Um, all of the chi have been immobilized. Holographic emitters are down. Motor centers are down. Logic centers, speech synthesizers, and chi-net are all functioning normally. Uh, we get uh, an info drop that inter-chi communication is uh, called the chi-net. Uh, basically, it is their version of the internet. Uh, and it works through their ship, the Pemmelite ship that they used to come to Earth, that they hid in an ocean canyon thousands of years ago. Um, it should have been safe from intruders. The atmospheric pressure down there will crush a human to the size of a guinea pig,
3: uh, 15,000 feet down. Um, and the ChiNet connects through the ship's onboard computer.
0: Uh, and the onboard computer on the ship would be the only way to disable
3: the, the
0: systems of the chi. Um, it doesn't tell anybody, doesn't tell them anything about why anyone would do this or who has done it because like who the fuck could get down three miles
3: in the depths Mm. of the ocean to get onto a ship and do this? Um, uh, the But reversing it would be easy. Uh, the problem is reaching
0: the computer would be extremely dangerous because it's at the bottom of the ocean. Um, uh, but the animals are like, well, we have to do something because having all of you paralyzed without your holograms isn't great. Um, and Cassie asks about the other Chi. Eric says that all of the other Chi have lost holograms and capacity to move. Most are safe and out of sight, but two are presently at high risk. The first works as a janitor in a nuclear research facility. When his hologram failed, he locked himself in the safe the facility uses to store radioactive material. Uh Which sounds secure, but it's only secure until the shift changes because at 10 o'clock each night, all areas of the facility are inspected before the night crew takes over. Um, Which means that they will open the safe and see this Chi. Uh, without his hologram. Um, the other chi, uh, is named Lord, Lordis. Um,
1: I assume Lords, like the, uh, singer. Yeah,
0: yeah, Lords. Um, she's been living as a homeless person. Um, and, uh, she's been sleeping in an abandoned building except that half the building is being used to store stolen goods run by a fence named Strake,
3: who they suspect is a controller. Um, And...
1: We get this little detail uh, of Cassie, like, calling it. Like, why are one of the Chi pretending to be homeless? Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And it explains, like, Eric's like, we need access to all levels of society if we're going to track yuck activity. And it points so out, just like, we live a lot of lives. And uh, mentions that Lords was a movie actress. And I'm just like,
2: who <laughs> was she? <laughs> who is she?
1: <laughs> who stopped doing acting in the mid? I want to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that made me smile. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Rachel comments are uh, just like this always like that it's not gl- all glamorous being an android and Eric's just like tell me about it I'm passing as a junior high school kid <laughs> <laughs> which is just mwah. um
2: yeah.
1: but they are able to have a location uh lords has uh, made it to a closet under the front stairs unfortunately uh they've got information that there's going to be a police raid in about 20 minutes on this place and they're, uh, they're certain that at least one human controller is part of the SWAT team. Yep. And then uh-huh. it's just like, and Rachel's under something like, In 20 minutes, and Mr. King just like, time is short. We understand, uh, you understand we cannot ask you to help rescue this Chi. There's a high likelihood of being hurt. Um. And Marco's just like, there's a high likelihood of us getting hurt every minute of the day. Mm -hmm. um jake demands the address
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um rachel asks for landmarks uh to make it easier as they'll be flying in jake like barks out an order to tobias and this is what i mean about the portrayal of jake in this book Mm. Uh, i don't like it like because he's always been in a crisis very good and Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't necessarily come easy to him to be like that. He has to like actively do it. Yeah. And the way it's written in this book comes across as him very easily like stepping into this sort of almost overbearing leader, mm-hmm. like shouting and snapping and demanding, like the words used and the qualifiers is just like it paints this picture that it feels very wrong. Yeah,
0: we get a, a description just a little bit up the page. Jake asked calmly. Jake always sounds calmest when he's most worried. I think it, like, this wouldn't feel as weird if there were just a sentence of Jake snapping into his leader persona. You know? Mm. Um, yeah. And then rattling off all of these orders because then it makes sense they're on an extreme time crunch. Um, there's no time for debating about anything. You know, you just have to go. Um, uh,
3: but yeah, without that, it definitely feels a little weird and, um, and, and just not, yeah, it, it feels like
0: it's easy for him to be the leader here to do this and that's mm-hmm. not the case.
3: Um,
1: yeah. And even the portrayal of him in his leadership role Mm -hmm. is coming across in a way it doesn't normally. Even when people are upset with him in previous books, Mm -hmm. we get their reflections on why he's acting that way. Mm -hmm. Or even there's a little bit of resentment maybe, but then it qualifies later. I feel like we don't really get, we get, I think there's one apology from him in this book. Yeah. But like he was a bit snotty with, rachel at the mall mm-hmm. like Rachel's the one that says okay we'll get him dressed and then we get out of here right Ray- uh cassie makes a comment about the tin man and then jake's like "Snap, we need to get him dressed to get him out of here." she's like bitch you just said that like mm-hmm. yeah we know we don't mm-hmm. know <laughs> yeah so but uh they get their directions um mr king warns that it's a bad neighborhood Rachel Rachel makes a crack about uh, how, yeah, they're, that they're worried. Yeah, we're real worried about being mugged. Um, and Marco lays out the situation. Uh, yep. We have to rescue a paralyzed Chi from a stolen goods warehouse before the controllers get her. Then we have to dive down to the bottom of the ocean, find the Pamela ship, somehow get inside it, and turn off the signal before 10 o'clock tonight so the yeah, don't get the Chi in a safe at the nuclear waste facility. Is that pretty much it? Or do we have to discover the Fountain of Youth and come up with a low-fat cookie that tastes as good as Mrs. Fields too? Uh, to which Rachel plays TikTok. <laughs> uh, Marco quips uh, about just a normal sort of crack about, oh, Rachel, you're so crazy.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then Eric uh, leaves him with this thing of, oh, yeah, the Pemolite signal will have been picked up by the air uh, or any orbiting Yerk spacecraft, so they might already be down there waiting for you. Mm-hmm. She's just like, cheers,
2: my guy. Yeah.
0: Uh, so we have two different... uh uh, time crunches on the anamorphs here the first is rescuing lords and then the second is solving the situation before the other uh conspicuous chi can be noticed
1: um, yeah and they really the risk of the yurks getting hold of chi like the technology the things that they would have access to as a result is like none of them want to consider that Mm-hmm. It is. It's Marco
3: that raises that particular concern. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the. I think it's a really interesting. Like you,
0: you kind of have to think about it, but the the way that Mister King gets the animorphs to do this because. He says outright, we can't ask you to do this because there's a high likelihood of you being hurt, i.e. their programming would prevent them from asking the Animorphs to do this because uh-huh. the the calculation that the programming would do would be unfavorable, to say the least. Um But they can give them all the information and know, based on the kind of people that the Animorphs are, and the situation that they're in and how dangerous it is mm-hmm. if the Yurks get hold of them, that if they lay the situation out, the Animorphs will do what needs to be
1: done. Um, yeah. I, I'd say it doesn't come across as manipulative of the kids no. because no. they showed up knowing what they're going to do. What well, I feel like this is, is this is somebody that is very used to working within the limitations. Yes. That are set upon him. It's some yes. good fake, can't tell lies. <clears throat> Shit. Yes. Yes. It is exactly. Um, I love
0: to see it. Yeah. Uh thank you for putting that in a more coherent uh mm-hmm. of words. Okay.
1: <laughs> Happy to help.